Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. It's Monday. We're joined by Andrew Juice to break down the film, as always. But God damn it, Andrew, if it isn't another blue fucking Monday as the Saints for the first time in 2012 laid a egg for America last night as they got completely worked and um you know you can lay it on the feet look the defense is atrocious we'll get into that in a second but Drew Brees he had like a C plus game Andrew and that could cut it in 2010 and 2009 when the Saints had a running game and a pass rush and compliment right now they don't have a coach and they don't have a running game and they don't have a defense all they have is drew Brees, and if he's anything other than spectacular they got no shot no doubt about it absolutely and i think um i think the most frustrating thing about last night is, is the defense at least some players um got to a point where i felt like they really quit and it wasn't like they completely quit on every play and and you know there, there was no effort and you know I, I don't really want to single out players and stuff, but I mean, you know, in general, I just think if you look at it and you watch kind of the end of the game once it was 31-7 and the Broncos got the ball back, there there were players that would take plays off, and yeah. to me, that's that's the most disheartening thing as a fan. I think you can, I can always take my medicine when look the other team is just better and they run the ball up and down the field and your team is just getting beat, um, but I noticed a lack of effort on a few plays, and that, that's probably most disheartening. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, LSU, I'm a fan of LSU, but one thing that I feel like is incredibly frustrating about that team is how poorly they manage the game and how poorly coached I feel like they are in um, critical stages of games. You don't like the Les Miles experience? You don't like the Les Miles yeah, experience? No, it, it, Burning timeouts in the I mean, first quarter? You know, I'm 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 very much into the cerebral part of football, and so <laughs> for me, that's a frustrating that's a frustrating experience to watch. But but anyway, so I, I've always prided myself on being a Saints fan because I feel like the Sean Payton teams have yeah. always been the exact opposite. Um, but if you look at a couple items, um, you know, the timeout before fourth down. The the no timeout with 30, 30 seconds left in the half, yeah. um, right before on fourth down, right before Denver hit a, hit a field goal. I mean, thirty seconds is enough time for Breeze to get your team in field goal range and, and maybe kick a long field goal. You yeah. know, and so especially in Denver. Um, yeah, and then fourth and two. You know, you, you, you late in the game, you're down, you're down by a, a ton, and you, you need to make that ground up. I mean, I realize you're deep in your own territory, but. At some point, you gotta trust your offense, and they punt. And so, I just really felt like for Jovic's first game back, he uh, he was I don't know if he was out of practice or had forgotten the rules of football, but 
Um, I just thought the decisions there were pretty poor, not very sharp. And yeah, he admitted and, it though. I mean, I, I realized I think his excuse was, you know, he's been out of practice. But my thing is, this is football one hundred and one. You know, I mean, any fan, any educated fan, and I certainly feel like I'm one, could go into that situation, and I feel like be able to make the right call. But those are basic things. Well, and I think, you know, I'll give Joe credit, Joe Vig credit in that he, he owned up to mistakes. A lot of coaches like Andy Reid or whatever will just be like, blah, 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 you know, or Bill Belichick. They'll just mumble, mumble, mumble. At least Joe Vig owned up to it. But look, Sean Payton, he's a great fucking coach. And, it, and you know, we can – we'll knock – I'll knock Sean Payton for a lot of things. He doesn't really – at times not, not even – care about defense it seems and he may pass the ball too much but honestly Andrew in the six years he's been the Saints coach I can't remember a glaring screw up with the clock ever and at the end of a half or the end of a game I can't remember where after a game we were like I can't believe the Saints butchered that situation of clock management they just they never have done it because Sean Payton is one of those people, one of those coaches that knows how to manage the clock in obvious situations. And, and you say it's obvious, but I can reel off Andy Reid, Herman Edwards. Um, I'm trying to think. Definitely less miles. Less miles, Jesus Christ. Norv Turner. I mean, I can, you can name a half dozen coaches that the clock is like a foreign language to them. And I think it's just one of the things you don't have Sean Payton in your clock management is instead of being, you know, almost perfect, it's like a B minus now. Well, the coaching carousel comes to bite the Saints again because, you know, I mean, you could certainly make the argument that, um, you know, finally the Saints had a, a couple wins and things were starting to go better with Cromer and, and uh, yeah. you know, all of a sudden he's he's back to his original role and Vic, Vic takes over again. So, you know, the minute the team gets in a rhythm with the coach, um, a new one's sprung on them and so but look here's the thing Ralph I at the end of the day the Saints played a playoff caliber team I really believe that I think yeah, definitely. The, the Broncos run the ball pretty well um they are an excellent passing team you know I think I think Manning was maybe a little rusty to begin the year but he's he's found a stride and he may not be as good as he used to be but he's certainly very solid um and defensively I think they were I mean with Doomerville and um Vaughn Miller. Like on the other guy's name. Yeah, Vaughn Miller. Those two guys are as good as two pass rushers as you're going to see in the league. And, and you really saw that um, the Saints giving as much help to the manager as they could. I mean, you really paid yeah. attention to those guys. So great pass rush. They can cover. Champ Bailey's still good. Um, and they stopped the run. So, I mean, you combine all those things. And, and, and the, the Broncos um, are, are pretty solid in all phases. And uh, that, that's the mark of a playoff team. So, you saw the Saints go into a stadium and probably play the best team they've played so far this season. And I don't think it's the Packers. I mean, you know, the Packers weren't playing that well when the Saints went into town in, in Green Bay. So this is the best team they've played. Well, I know. Found and, 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 and that, that was the result. And also, too, let, let's look. You know, I thought they would – I thought with the Joe Vitt return and I just thought the Saints had momentum. One of the, I thought one of these weeks the defense isn't going to be atrocious and they'll look really good. I thought it would be at Denver. It wasn't. But, look – if Green Bay, yeah, we, if the Saints we thought had, it was a shot in the arm, it turned out to be a shot in the chest. <laughs> you know, but look, if they would have gone to Green Bay and Drew Brees wouldn't have had a, Drew Brees had an A plus game, and the Saints caught every break in that Green Bay game and still couldn't win. If Drew Brees would have played like he played last night, Green Bay would have hammered the Saints. I mean, 
Drew Brees, I mean, he was just he was just off, and the receivers were dropping the ball. Um, about the offense, I, I give Denver some credit, but I thought the Saints protected well. I thought the receivers struggled. And, Andrew, you brought this up before the podcast. This is not something that I noticed. I give Andrew full credit because he's, he's our film guru. But you brought it up, and it's an excellent point. You know, one of Sean Payton's favorite things was the old – and it was a joke almost – was the tackle eligible. You know, Zach Streif, before he started for the Saints, that's what he did. He'd come in and they'd, you know, some teams call it the jumbo package, whatever. They'd bring in the tackle eligible, go heavy on short yardage, and sometimes they'd throw out of it. Have they done it at all this year, Andrew? I mean. No, they really, and yeah, and you know, you look at last year. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It was Charlie Brown for a while yeah. getting the, uh, the, the, you know, the second tight end, the jumbo tight end, um, and then it was Pat McQuiston after him. So th- yeah. those guys were you know, doing it last year, you know, since uh, Streets the starter, but no, they haven't done that this year, and I don't know if it's a function of Carmichael, who's just not – that's just not his play. That's not – I don't know if he's thrown it out of the playbook completely or if he's just said, you know, what, well, we're going to use it sparingly. But, uh, look, there's no – I mean, the, the running game is struggling, and when you think about the X's and O's, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's, it's a lot of size off of the edge, and certainly those guys are going to be more effective and more – um, powerful off the edge than, than a tight end. Certainly Jimmy Graham and even, you know, a Daniel Graham or, or David Thomas. So, um, you know, the Saints have, have decided not to do that, and um, they're not running the ball well. So at some point, you know, you got to wonder, well, where is that? Because they've used it in the past and it's been successful. Um, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying about Sean Payton. Um, you know, he's kind of a master of, of designing weird stuff that people don't think about, thinking yeah. outside the box. And you know, Carmichael's been around the system long enough that he he knows all about that, and that's a wrinkle that that he's familiar with. And uh, you know, it's kind of disappointing that, to see that they haven't used it at all, considering um, how poor the run game's been. Yeah, I mean, in, in this this offense last night, they struggled. Um, and I think, you know, I think maybe Denver has shown the blueprint of they're going to say to, you know, other teams are going to look at that and say, hey, you know what, Saints, we don't think you can run the ball. We're only going to rush four. We're going to drop seven in coverage, maybe eight. And we're going to dare you to run the ball. And until you show us you can, we're going to play coverage. It. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they got a little bit of running. I mean, Pierre, Pierre Thomas had, had some decent stats and, and, and some decent runs, but um, he was really the only threat on the ground. and. And uh, just too quick to – I mean, the, the thing I think that was most frustrating is a second and two from the 50. And three straight plays, the Saints throw. Um, so, no and, – and, and two of those three plays were out of the shotgun. 
um, one of which didn't even have a back. So um, there was no – they weren't even pretending like they might run the football. Yeah. Second and two, third and two, or fourth and two. Um, and, and again, I, I think Carmichael is just uh, – uh, I just feel like Sean Payton um, maybe is not making those plays, so uh, or at least not making those play calls. I mean, second and two or third and two is a perfect example of where you would see Pat McQuiston be reported eligible and come in as a tight end. And, you know, that's the thing. I don't even care if you throw deep out of that formation on third and two or second and two. Exactly. It's the threat. It's the semblance of run. It's yeah, just, it's I mean the, – the the cloud the cloud of doubt that you put yeah in in your opponent's mind you know yeah I mean if they wanna if they wanna say it's second and two hey we're gonna bring in McQuit we're gonna bring in an extra tackle and we're gonna put Ingram in there and we're gonna run like a two man route with Devery Henderson deep and like Lance Moore and his little outcut or something and we're gonna try to hit the bomb on that and you wanna run that on second down that's fine but when you're in a when you're in an empty backfield you know, on second and two, I just feel like, you know, it's not it's not very, you know, teams, like you say, they know what's coming. Uh, Jimmy yeah, Graham. Well, I mean, the Saints still, still should have converted that. I mean, exactly. came down to Lance Moore dropping that, you know, the, their favorite play, the, the extra point play, and he drops that pass. Yeah. And that was kind of how it felt all night. You know, a holding call takes back a good run, a holding call by Jari Evans, and then, um, you know, Jimmy Graham drops a ton of passes. Uh, Lance Moore drops the you know, drops the bomb. So there was a number of plays where, you know, the throws, and you, you talk about Drew Brees, yes, he didn't play well. He had that team on his game. But uh, there there were chances for this offense to get going. Yeah. And he, he, he put the ball in a place where um, they could have moved the chains. And those are critical things. Who knows what happens after that play if they just move the chains? If Demery catches that pass, who knows yeah, what exactly. happens after that. So you gotta, those are drive killers, and, and it, that, that's kind of how it felt the whole game. Is the plays were there, they just weren't making them. Yeah, and I mean, that comes in the sense where, you know, you, you say, well, their the teams are flat or they're not ready to play. I didn't feel that. I just feel like in football, just like any sport, you gotta build momentum. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have one good play, and then a second, and then a third, and that's probably part of why the defense looks so atrocious because they never string anything together. We're gonna get to them in a second. I want to touch on one more thing in the offense. Um, Jimmy Graham is really, really struggling, and it's—I mean—it's becoming apparent. You mentioned it in your column, but Andrew. He's he's not, I mean, injuries, whatever, but even before that, he's dropping a lot of balls. He's not nearly what he was last year. You know, I just feel like right now the Saints offense is, is performing worse with him in the game. Um, you know, and I feel like the two games that he was out, um, if anything, they played their best. And, um, you know, I think Breeze, with good reason, looks his way a lot. And I think yeah. when he's out, um, other guys have stepped up and performed well. Well, the problem is, um, Graham, I don't know if it's lack of concentration or lack of focus, um, or if he's bothered by the ankle and that's distracting him. Um, but really even before that ankle injury, um, he, he's had problems all season with, with yeah. catching the football. And, um, it's really hurt the Saints because Breeze goes to him on third down more than anything. But it's not just dropping footballs. I feel like he's running lazy routes. I feel like sometimes it barely looks like he's trying. Um, a lot of times with catches, he'll try for the high degree of difficulty, you know, kind of reaching just one arm out instead of, you know, using yeah. proper technique. And 
reaching out with two hands and securing the ball in all the way in by yeah. keeping his eyes on the football. I mean, just little things. I just don't feel like he's really um, – I, I don't know if he just feels like he's made it and he's a superstar now and he doesn't feel like he has to earn it anymore. Um, but, no, I think this whole season, I mean, if you look at him statistically, and I'm sure people that own him as a fantasy tight end, um, he's done fine. But um, I no, think he any has fan not. that's really – yeah, any fan that's really watched him play has noticed that he's really been bad all year. And um, But I will give him credit, at, at least – and I like to see this. He scores a touchdown late in the game, a meaningless touchdown, flips the ball to the ref, but doesn't celebrate, doesn't do his usual dunk, and goes back to the sideline quickly. Camera goes on him, and he looks depressed. And he, he looks like he um, yeah. is really disappointed in himself. And you know what? I can at least appreciate that as a fan. I mean, he looks like a guy who cares. And, um, you know, the last thing I would have wanted to see in that situation was him dunk the ball in the goalpost and act like he usually does um, because, um, frankly, he's been so bad that he, he doesn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, um and you know, it's a lot of times, you know, teams, you know, in the off season, they look at your film, and I think teams have looked at it and they said, you know what, Jimmy Graham, not that he had it easy last year, he earned everything, but I think that's the one area where the team said, you know what, we can't have Jimmy Graham gashing us and gutting us like a fish in the middle of the field anymore. The Saints might have to do something else, but they're not doing that anymore. And I think teams have taken it away, and I think the Saints. Haven't adjusted to it, Andrew. And you know, it's like Bill Parcells. You in football, you don't stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. And the Saints, you know, in that aspect of their offense, isn't as good. Um, but right now, I want to I want to get to the defense. Um, and I want to start with this. <laughs> you, know, you got you got three hours. I got three hours. I got I got twenty minutes. We got the Saints. I think it start to. I'm really starting to worry about this front office, Andrew, because. Look, Hawthorne's injured, so you can give him a pass, okay? You know, and Chamberlain got injured, so you can give them a pass on that. But last year, they whiffed on Sean Rogers. They whiffed on a brave Franklin. Bodrick Brunkley was inactive last night. He was a healthy scratch for and Hakeem Nicks played. Now, they paid him $8 million. I think they gave him a five-year, $25 million contract. Um, So... What does it say about their personnel moves? And was this a one-time thing in Denver, or is this going to be a trend going forward where Bunkley's not going to play? Well, I think those two guys uh, were made inactive, and the well, the, the official reason for it was that the the Broncos run almost exclusively out of the nickel, which is true. Um, they're they're very much in the zone blocking, very much in the cutback lanes, and so what you see is. Um, three corners and um, – I'm sorry, three receiver sets and, uh, and a lone running back with no fullback. So that's the majority of what they run. So the personnel the Saints decided they wanted um, since they were going to start three corners was um, linebackers that would cover, and that's why you saw Herring in the game more, and that's why Shanley was a scratch because he's not as, not as good in coverage as Herring. Um, and you saw Akeem Nix, Tom Johnson, and Cedric Ellis with the defensive tackle. And in fact, Cedric Ellis didn't play as much as he normally does either. So, um, really, Tom Johnson and Akeem Nix got a ton of run. And then, besides those two, uh, the defensive ends played defensive tackle a lot. So, um, I think it was just a personnel thing to try to get in a situation where, A, they could get a better pass rush, 
and B, um, they could cover maybe a little bit better um, with with Will Herring being in there instead of Scott Shanley. So that that was the move. That that was the explanation. Um, my opinion, I just feel like regardless of the matchups, when you've got an eight million dollar player, he's your best player. If he's, I realize he's a run stuffer. That's his specialty. Um, but it would still nice to, to it would still be nice to have him active for goal line plays. Yeah. The Saints did give up um, a touchdown in in the goal line. Would have been really nice to have Roderick, Roderick Bunkley in that situation. Um, and and look, Cadet and Ivory were both active. Neither of them played a lick. So you tell me, who would you rather have, Chris Ivory, who didn't play the game on a on a first and goal from the two, when Willis McGahey goes in easily for a touchdown, or would you rather have had Bunkley active, um, who at least could have been useful in that situation? Um, and so I, I think the bottom line is, um, when you when you think of it that way, um, regardless of whether he should have started or not started or played sparingly. Uh, the fact that he was inactive, based, based A, on what you're paying him, based two, on the fact that he's supposedly your best run defender, um, is inexcusable. It really is. Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't understand the five running backs active. I, I, I didn't understand what the hell they were doing at all. Um, Hakeem Hicks, uh, has had his moments. Um, overall, how did he look? He looked okay, you know. He, he, you know. I think uh, the Saints got gashed a lot running plays, but uh, a lot of that was the zone blocking and cutback lanes. Um, and you know, I, anytime the, the, the play is going one way and then it cuts back, I think you know that that's that's uh, the Saints did a bad job of recognizing that and, and mm-hmm. staying in their lanes. But uh, more than that, I, I think. Uh, the main problem was again the personnel. I mean, the Saints really went into that game daring the Broncos to run the football, which they did. To their credit, um, they really did commit to the run. And McGahey and his backups um, did an effective job of, of kind of running up and down the field on the defense. But um, that was the game plan for the Saints: was hey, you be us for, for you know huge runs if you want, but we're not going to let you pass on us. Um, and guess what? They still did. So. Um, you know, and that, that's what I was afraid of, and I, we kind of said before the game that uh, the Broncos could almost play any play and uh, that I was confident it would be successful. Um, and I could have been the offensive coordinator in that game and, and picked any play and, and it would have worked. So, you know, look, I, I think Akeem mixed it pretty well. That fumble was huge. It was it was huge. Um, and it's too bad the Saints couldn't really uh, use that to help them get back in the game. But, um and yeah, I think he was active. He, he got in the backfield sometimes. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, he kind of reminded me of Jonathan Casillas' rookie season. And if you remember Casillas, um, his rookie year, and, you know, obviously he's kind of hot garbage now, but um, he made a lot of plays in his first or second year. I can't remember if it was his first second or second year, year but he, he was excited. He was exciting, and we all liked him. Um, but I think the one negative was he kind of bit on play fakes a little bit and. He over-pursued sometimes, and that's what I'm seeing with Hicks right now. Is he, he Sometimes he's over-pursuing, and, and we saw that in the zone running where a lot of times he would bite on the, the first read and then kind of um, as, 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 the, as the play would cut against the grain, he would be in a, in a sticky spot and not be able to, to make a play. But, uh, um, you know, as far as straight up beating his man, he did it more times than not, and, uh, you know, he got penetration, and so – 
Um, I definitely thought, along with Lofton, he was probably one of the two best Saints on the field last night defensively. Not saying much, but I do think it's encouraging in that, um, you know, obviously this defense is going to need a massive overhaul to the extent that they can do it, given the cap. But uh, I think he's hopefully a keeper. I think I saw some promise. His, his athletic ability, to me, on the defensive line, jumps out. He he jumps off the screen at you, and the Saints haven't had a player like that since Will Smith was in his prime, where it would be a third down, and you could see Will Smith making his move and getting the pressure. I saw that at times with Hicks on the inside, which is which is a positive. And they're two and five now, Andrew. He's got to play. He's got yeah. He's got the to one. Play. The one other cool thing I saw the Saints do was they put they put Martez Wilson standing up, so you know he wasn't in a three point stance at defensive tackle. So he lined up at defensive tackle, and you know kind of in the linebacker blitzing stance, and um, beat his man badly with a quick inside out move, um, and that was a huge play to Demarius Thomas that uh, Manning was able to throw, but. Um, as he threw that, he got absolutely drilled and killed by Martez Wilson. And then I think that was the play, actually, that he hurt his thumb. Yeah, it was. Um, but but that that was the first time I kind of saw a creative blitz from Spagnola, and uh, I was like, oh, I really like that play, and it worked. And right before, I was, I was thinking to myself, what is Martez Wilson doing in defensive tackle? And uh, and it worked, so that was great. Um, but then, of course, that's kind of the, the whole microcosm of the season um, they they come up with something creative. They get a hit on the quarterback. The plan works, and they still get beat over the top for huge yardage. Well, look, this defense. Um, you know, everybody says fires. But look, if the Saints get rid of Spagnuolo, that's going to be, and they get a new defensive coordinator next year. That's going to be four coordinators in eight years. That's like um, Elizabeth Taylor's. You're getting in it like like. You're like third, three-time divorce guy there. I mean, eventually you got to say like the problem is you, and not the other person. But um, this defense, if the Saints look, and, and I'm all for it at this point, taking a meat cleaver to it and saying Will Smith goodbye, Roman Harper goodbye, Vilma thanks for the memories goodbye, Malcolm Jenkins thanks for the memories goodbye. If they take a meat cleaver to it, Andrew, how does it affect the cap? Well, I. I think um, the cap situation is really bad right now, so it, that's going to probably have to happen regardless. Um, my, by my estimation, they were about 15 and 20 million over the cap um, starting the off season, and that's before signing any free agents, that's before drafting any rookies. And that includes, uh, and that includes like Cedric Ellis coming off the book. Yeah, oh, that includes oh players goodness. coming off the book. So. Um, you know, I'm sure Mickey Loomis is a genius at kind of recrafting contracts to alleviate that stuff. And so I'm sure he'll be able to keep a lot of players. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're at a crossroads now where they're going to have to make this decision. Um, do we re rework all these contracts and stay committed to the core of guys that we have? Or do we commit to Spags? You know, are, are we committed to Spags? Is he our defensive coordinator? And if so, then we've got to get him the personnel that's actually going to work for his scheme. And if that's the case, then they've got to blow it up, you know. And um, and that would be unfortunate. You know, that, that's a tough position to be in because then all of a sudden you're like, okay, um, we're, do we have time to absorb a couple years 
of a defense kind of taking their lumps and having their growing pains and maturing back into a a unit that can actually be successful. Well, I mean, though, but 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 couldn't you? I mean, couldn't you argue that? You know the Ram. I mean, this is a good example. The Rams won the Super Bowl in '99. The Saints won the West in 2000. And the Rams' defense. Look, it wasn't as bad as the Saints' defense. It wasn't historically bad as the worst defense in the history of the NFL, like the Saints are this year. But it was the worst in football. And the Rams blew it up. Uh, brought in Lovey Smith. Made a bunch of moves. Didn't bring in a bunch of high-priced guys except for Aeneas Williams, and they went 14-2 and and got to the Super Bowl. I mean, if the Saints blow up this defense and can go from the worst in history to number 21, they can be 12-4. and Yeah. No, you're right. I I I mean, you know, so, I mean, and and look, they're they're not tearing down the Taj Mahal. I mean, I can make, I can make an argument that you keep Lofton, you keep Hicks. I'll keep the corners because I'm not sure about them because the pass rush in the front seven is so dreadful. So I'll keep Greer and I'll keep Robinson, although he's terrible, and I'll keep Johnny Patrick and I'll keep Corey White because they're young. Um, and I'm keeping Lofton, yeah, I'm keeping I, Hicks, I mean, but everybody I, else can go. The thing I think that makes it tricky for the Saints is the cap situation yeah. means they can't really spend. Um now, presumably, they'll have a pretty good draft pick. And, um, you know, that's the hope is that, um, you know, they can hit this time with a first-round pick with a defensive player. But, again, Sean Payton there, you look at those first-round picks. Aren't they um, due, though, to hit eventually on a first-round pick? Aren't they due eventually to hit? Man, I man, I sure hope so. I mean, at, at some point, you know, you have to start wondering, is it um, – you know, I – Again, I feel like uh, Greg Williams did a better job of maximizing uh, Roman Harper's talent yeah. and Malcolm Jenkins' talent than Spags has done so far. So, yeah, and they commit we'll and they and they committed to Roman Harper. I mean, they paid him paying him seven million dollars a year. I mean, granted, if they would get rid of him, it'd be halfway through the contract, so it probably wouldn't be like a tremendous, a, a tremendous huge penalty for cap hit. I'm not sure what it would be, but it wouldn't be gargantuan. But, um. You know, Andrew, the one thing, though, I will say is if they can – you can – the NFL nowadays, with the, with the way the colleges are, it used to be you draft a defensive end and it takes time. Now you can get a defensive end early and they can be a, an impact right away. I mean, you look at Jason Pierre-Paul. He's a stud now, but he was an impact guy right off, and he got picked in the middle. Oh, yeah, J.J. Watt is a star already. Um, yeah. I think he leads the league in, in sacks and Vaughn Miller – Another guy that was good immediately, Chris Long with the Rams. I mean, those guys came in rookie year and dominated. Well, I mean, I mean, and and, you know, as bad as the defense is, look, if say they pick, you know, the Saints pick in the top five, and they, you know, it would Detroit. The 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 raging draft debate, I think, is going to be Barkevius Mingo or Sam Montgomery for LSU because they're local and that's who everybody's going to want. But say the Saints pick Mingo and they hit on him and he's a nine to eleven sack guy. To me changes everything for Spags' defense because then yeah, they no, have mean, a guy in the again, front. The, the main point here is we're not, we're not looking to change from the worst in history to the, <laughs> the third best. Um, with this offense, we're, you know, going from worst ever to 22nd is, is pretty yeah. good enough. Good enough for 10 wins, you know, getting get, that gets us into the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, this, this defense, uh, it's not getting any better. 
Uh, it's not going to get any better. Um, do you see – if you're the general manager, what do you try to do besides – I think we both agree in the, in the top of the draft, you try to get a, a pass rusher. What do you try to do in the offseason if you're Mickey Loomis and you, and you finesse your cap and you've got – to where you can go and get like a broad, a Bunkley type where, yeah, they, they paid him a lot of money for us, but for NFL salary, they're paying him $5 million. That's kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. If you can only get one of those guys in the offseason, Andrew, and you got to do it through the draft, and you can only get one guy impact on defense, where are you going if you're the Saints? I think it's, I think it's crucial right now um, for the Saints that they get, uh, obviously, the pass rusher in the draft, and through free agency, they have got to get a competent cover guy. Because in this day and age in football, it's all about how many, how deep you are at corner with cover guys. Because the three and four receiver sets are way more prominent in this day and age in, the, in this NFL than um, the, the traditional pro style. Yeah. So based on that, you know, you look at the Saints' corners right now. Patrick Robinson has been horrendous this entire year. He's been getting torched. Um, Jabari Greer has been injured and he's a shell of his former self right now and he had a miserable game um, last weekend or this Sunday and Corey White has been a disaster at nickel um, and we, you and I have been clamoring all season where is Johnny Patrick when are they going to put him in there well finally we got our wish and I think now we understand why <laughs> he's been playing um, because he, he wasn't any better so the point I'm getting at here is um, and I'm not even saying get rid of all these guys but you pick up a corner you know, maybe Jabari gets healthier and he's better next year. You pick up a corner that can come in and start, and all of a sudden Patrick Robinson goes from starter to nickel, and Corey White drops from nickel to dime. And so, you know, what? If, if we can, you know, and we talked about losing Tracy Porter, if you can drop all these guys down in the order and have one guy, and I'm, again, we're not talking about the second coming of Deion Sanders here. I think just a solid role player that can come in and start and just do a good job and, and do better than what Patrick Robinson is giving the Saints right now would be good enough. Yeah, and they need a safety too. And you can get you can get a say you can get you can get a you can get a guy at safety. They got a Darren Sharper before, and you know I mean look that was a that was a that might be a once in a lifetime lottery ticket. But if you can get a guy you can get a guy in veteran free agency for a safety for a song. Yeah, you can always do it. You can get a veteran guy, or if they really want to get crazy, they can take a old corner and move him to safety if they want to roll the dice that way. But to me, the Roman Harper Malcolm Jenkins experiment is done. It just it doesn't work, and I'm tired of I'm just I'm tired of watching. Yeah, I mean, I, I would even be up for having Malcolm Jenkins move back to corner, and now I don't think he's a starter, but um, I think you know if he's a nickel corner put him in the slot, he can cover a little bit and yeah. uh you know, get him get you know, if he's around the line of scrimmage he can make some plays. Um so um I I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't be against moving him back. Um and then that opens up a, a spot at free safety for a new player and you get rid of Roman Harper. Um you know but you know, again I I'll leave that up to the Saints, you know, the personnel. I mean, they're gonna have to make some tough decisions. Um yeah. and they can't keep that there, there, I mean, when when you have the worst defense in NFL history, I, I think 
the policy's got to be we've got to do away with at least half of the starters. Yeah, so, and and, and um, I will. You know, you think about it this way: it's like I think at least five or six starters yeah. on this current unit have to go. Yeah, they. Got, I mean, it's look, look. It's the worst defense in NFL. They got to blow it up, and I think I you think they will. Up. And I think Mickey Loomis will do the contract. They'll have a little bit of breathing room, and. They can you can find guys at, at minimum salary and you can plug some holes and they can get it to where they're not the worst in history in 2013. Um, before we get to the Eagles game and touch on LSU Alabama because I want to get to both of those. Um, I think a key thing for the Saints and I don't know how this I don't know if it's going to work you know, but I think you know if if Tagliabue comes along and reduces the suspensions of Will Smith and Fujita, I know Benson says, "Hey, then I want I'm going to go to the commissioner and I'm going to say, hey, I want you to reevaluate Sean Payton." To me, Andrew, this might sound crazy to Saints fans, but if 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 I'm Benson, my number one concern isn't Sean Payton for this year. My number one concern is if Tagliabue reduces the suspensions for the players, I go to Goodell and Tagliabue, and I say, look, I want that second-round pick back because I'm likely picking in the top five. That's going to be a top – that means it's a top 40 selection. So I go to Goodell, and I say, look, I want that second-round pick back. Take a fifth-round pick. Take a fourth-round pick, whatever. But I want that second-round pick back because, Andrew, yeah. if they pick in the top five, that means it would be pick number 37. 37, yeah. That's huge. That's a starter. On the defense, okay? Potentially, yeah. So I think that's a huge thing. They, if, if it goes their way with Tagliabue a little bit, they need to try to get that pick back. I'm with you. I'm with you, absolutely. And I, 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 they, they left the door open for that. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when he, uh, Goodell heard the appeal, um, he said that, you know, that the, everything stood, but that he would consider um, reducing, if there was cooperation, reducing – um, the the penalty of the second round pick. Now, <laughs> based on all the uh, the court filings and the um, the defamation suits, I, I realize that that wasn't the organization, but um, I wonder how cooperative the Saints have been. Um, but well, you know, I know that I know that Vid and Loomis and Sean Payton for the most part have been cooperative in their suspension. So hopefully, um, that hopefully it will get reduced. But you're absolutely well, right. I mean, they they have got especially with the way this year has gone. They desperately need young talent, and the only way they're not again they're not going to help their team with free agency because they can't pay anyone. Um, so that that makes the draft that much more important to bolster their team. Well, I will say this one thing: Roger Goodell has to come to New Orleans for a week for the Super Bowl, and if he wants to be treated a little better, it would do him some good maybe the week before to announce that he's given the second round pick back. He might be able to get seated at a nice restaurant, um, <laughs> so that could help him. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. The Saints play the Eagles this week. The Eagles are a fucking disaster, on par with the Saints, and they don't even have they don't even have the excuse of all the bounty stuff. Um, Andy Reid is talking about benching Vic. Uh, please do, Andy. I would much rather have a rookie quarterback. And see Vic light up the Saints. I think at least with a rookie quarterback, Andrew, he's bound to make some mistake throws, and Spags could maybe trick him. You know, uh, what's your thoughts on how the Eagles game is going to go? I just, you know, and I retweeted something I think you saw the other day. Yeah, or actually, did. maybe you retweeted it, but it was, uh, you know, I, I want to apologize in advance for the narrative <laughs> of Michael Vick is back. Uh, that's going to be next Monday night on national TV. 
And I'm not sure who originally tweeted that, but kudos to you. That was hilarious. Um, so that, I mean, somewhere deep in, in my conscience that I don't like to talk about, I'm terribly afraid of this actually happening. And um, I can see it now. I can see Tony Dungy uh, foaming out the mouth saying, oh, I told you you should have never benched him. Michael Vick's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL just because he rolls up the worst defense in NFL history for 250, a few touchdowns, and 78 yards rushing. You know. <laughs> well, and I'll say. I, I just, I just know it's going to happen. Well, I'll say, I'll say this about the Monday night game. That game is not going to be close. That game is going one of two ways. Either Michael Vick is going to torch the Saints, like you say, and they're going to say Michael Vick is back, and Philadelphia is four and four. And they're going to, quote, be turning it around, which they won't because they'll just have torched the Saints. Or the Saints are going to end the Andy Reid era in Philadelphia on national TV and just blow the Falcons out. And Michael Vick's going to be a basket case and fumble and do stupid shit like he always does. It's either going to go that that's it's It's going one of two ways, Andrew. I don't think it's going to be a close game back and forth. It's either going to be Saints blowout and the Eagles – Andy Reid era is done, or Michael Vick's going to be back. I'll drink that Kool-Aid. I'll drink that Kool-Aid. But, um, you know, I, I think the thing here is we talked about at the beginning of the season, if if the, sh- the ship sinks, if, if things start to unravel, um, do, do we have faith that Breeze won't let this team quit? Well, this Sunday, for the first time, I saw quit in the team. I saw quit in the coaching staff. I saw quit on the offensive line and, and the entire defensive unit. So um, for the first time, I, I saw that, and I'm really interested to see how they rebound because yeah. that, again, I say it again, that to me as a fan was the most disheartening and, and yeah. disappointing thing was was a lack of effort and, and just to quit by the team. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they bounce back from this, and it's on national TV again. This time it's at home. And I know those guys have to feel embarrassed. And if, if I, I, I'm hopeful it's the latter. You know, the Saints come out pissed off, and they're, they're hungry for redemption. And they, you know, a team that's kind of limping into the Superdome comes in, and they just blow the roof off the place. So um, I, I'm with you, I, and I'm hoping that's what's going to happen. But, again, I'm a little fearful that Vic will – um, make a ton of plays early, put the Saints down, and it's going to be the, oh, here we go again with the defense because I think the tolerance level from the fan base right now is at an all-time low. Of and the you know if they start giving up explosive plays early to Vic, oh, who has boy. had a miserable season by any standard, um, the Boo Birds are going to come often and they're going to come early. And if that's the case, things can unravel pretty quick because you know if, if you saw quit – Last week, when when the boots are raining down in the Superdome and they're not playing well, um, I think the quitting could come even faster. So based on that, um, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to go one of two ways. The Eagles will either come in, kind of not save their season, but give a newfound hope um, beating up on the Saints, or the Saints will at least um, give the fans for one weekend redemption and, and kind of um, save – Save face a little bit by rebounding from what, what last night was just yeah. If um, the, a horrendous shit show. If the Saints are ever going to be focused and just pissed off and lay an ass whooping on someone, 
this is the final chance. I don't think I'm going to pick yeah. him. I don't think I'm going to pick him because I can't pick. I can't pick the Saints anymore with this defense. Um, but I think Drew Brees. Say whatever you want about him. He he doesn't usually play awful two weeks in a row. So I think it's a good shot. But Andrew, we got LSU Alabama this week. Uh, Alabama's a ten and a half point favorite in Tiger Stadium. Look, and I know people are going to say, "Oh, the passing game's terrible. Alabama's unbeatable." I went to LSU. I saw LSU beat number one Florida in Tiger Stadium. That LSU team isn't nearly as talented as this LSU team, although that Florida team isn't nearly as good as this Alabama team. Um, you watch LSU. Uh, can it happen? And what has to? What does LSU have to do to pull the upset? I don't think it can happen um, because I think Alabama is too sound. They're they're too good everywhere. Um, and um, LSU is weak in certain areas, mostly in the passing game. Um, And and a little bit on the offensive line, they're banged up. LSU has been ravaged by injuries this year, so um, that's been a tough break for them. But um, I I told you this last week or a couple weeks ago, um, there is no point spread large enough for me not to take Alabama in this game, and I really do believe Alabama is going to come in and absolutely embarrass LSU. And I wish it wasn't the case because um, I'm still so salty and and so bitter (laughs) about how the national championship game went. And I would love nothing more than for LSU to have some redemption. Um, But I just don't see it happening. I think Alabama is going to be up 21 to three at the end of the first quarter and it'll be downhill from there. Um, That's kind of how all their games have gone, honestly. And um, I I just think LSU is walking into a buzzsaw. And uh, I just – I really think Alabama is, is <laughs> practically – I mean, I think the only thing that's preventing them from being an NFL – a bottom feeder NFL quality team right now is the quarterback. I think he's a good game manager, but he's a poor man in Alex Smith um, and McElroy. But if they had an elite quarterback to run that offense um, – they would be a bot. They they would be they would win some games in the NFL. They'd be they they'd be three games had, in a sixteen game If they game had season. Andrew Luck, they'd be two and fourteen in the NFL. Yeah, I really I think so. But I'm gonna say this: the LSU game, Andrew, Saturday night game kicks off at seven. Within two series of LSU having the ball, you'll know if they have a shot, because either Mettenberger is gonna keep being Mettenberger. Or he's going to hit one of those plays that he always misses where he misses an open guy or, you know, underthrows somebody. If he comes out, and I think Les Miles will open it up early and Alabama will give him a chance, if he hits one of those plays early, LSU will be in the game. But if he misses it or throws a pick, you'll be right and it'll be 21-3 and it'll be downhill. You'll know by the time you finish your first beer whether LSU has any shot at all. and. You know, Andrew, games go like that sometimes. You can, you can just, you can just tell. And I, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think LSU has got to get that monkey off their back of not crossing the fifty, um, which <laughs> you'll remember well in the national title game. But I think on on the first two drives, um, LSU needs to get a couple first downs on at least one of them, and preferably cross the fifty on one of those first two drives and kind of get that monkey off their back and tell themselves early in the game, okay we can move the football on this team. If the first two drives are both three and outs, 
um, there's a decent chance they're down 10 nothing. Well, I think this game is a less miles special. I think early less is going to be less and he's going to do something wacky and it'll either, it'll either blow up or the crowd will go nuts and the, they'll try to ride the energy. But Andrew, um, it's all we got to look forward to because the saints, it is going to be a long, long nine weeks, my friend. Yeah, is the draft here yet? <laughs> mock drafts, mock drafts. Oh Lord! Over quick. Hey, what pick quick. are we right now, Ralph? Do you know what pick we are? Uh, right now they would be pick. The Chiefs would be one. Uh, they'd be pick about. Brown. They'd be pick about four. You pick okay. about four. So you, yeah, top top five would be magical. You know, look if they get if they get to November if they get to December. And they have less than less than three wins. I'll tell you flat out, I'm I'm rooting for them to lose. Just just play good, play competitive, lose the game, don't get anybody injured. Because I don't want them going on a four game winning. Unless they're playing the Falcons. And that yes, of course. You know. Oh, we got you know. So look, they can go. They can go four and twelve. Just beat the Falcons twice. Fine. So. But Andrew, thanks for thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll end the Andy Reid era. Let's do it. Thanks, man. All right. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.